you may know that I teach a weekly Parsha class here at ICAR in Los Angeles every Thursday at noon uh, Pacific time. You're welcome. Um, we've got folks joining us virtually from places as far away as Japan on, on Zoom. And uh, we've been archiving video edits of the classes on YouTube, but we thought we might try cutting down the one hour class to about 40 minutes for you, for the listeners of the Best Book Ever podcasts that might not be able to fit a midday class on a Thursday into your schedule. So I hope you enjoy listening to these as much as I enjoy teaching them. Um, if you're interested to attend the class from wherever you are in the world in person, then stick around at the end of the podcast. I'll tell you how to register. Um, just like the podcast, it's absolutely free and we'd love to have you. All right, let's get started. Dangerous, dangerous Torah today. Um, we're going to be taking a look at uh, first and first, first and foremost, we're going to be taking a look at the Ark. And if you've ever watched Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know <laughs> that uh, that it's a dangerous object. Um, I wrote about the Ark this week in the um, in the in the Devar Torah that I'm um, the weekly Devar Torah I'm writing for Hadar. And um, I'm going to put that in the link here. Um, and, you know, I started there with a story uh, or an image, and it's a very kind of classic, famous image. It's the image of um, the children of Israel marching through the desert. And um, here's what I wrote about. Um, let me give you, though, I'm going to give you the source sheet for today because uh, there are two versions of this. And uh, I started that Devar Torah with the one in the the Mechilta, which is a, a Midrash, an early Midrash. But let's take a look at the other one, just uh, for the heck of it. This is a different forum. And this is maybe the more famous edition. So here is where we're going to start. And um, this is the famous image. And it's a beautiful image. And it's a, it's, it's a, um, I think it's a celebrated image. And we can think a little bit about why that is. Um, but here's here's the image. All those years, that the Jewish people were in the wilderness, these two Aronot. Now, Aron is the, is the, is the word for ark, Aron, and this is the plural. So two arks, really. Not to be confused with Noah's ark. Two arks. One, uh, the casket of a dead person and one, the Ark of the Covenant, of the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence. Okay, this means the Divine Presence. Two, these two Arks were traveling together, and passer, passers-by would say, what is the nature of these two Arks? And they said, one is of a dead person, and one is of the Divine Presence. And the passers-by, you, you get what's going on here? One is Joseph's coffin, because um, Joseph Co Joseph's coffin, Moses took out of Egypt. And one is the the ark, the ark of the covenant with the tablets of the of the Ten Commandments in them. And um, beautifully, they close by saying, um, "In what way is it the manner of a dead person to travel with the divine presence? That's crazy. What do you have a coffin next to your holiest object?" And they said in response, "This one fulfilled all that is written in this one." 
In other words, Joseph's bones are as holy as the tablets because Joseph's life was a living Torah, a living testament to the values in the Ten Commandments. Great, beautiful, what a what a what a what a sacred notion Joseph's memory lives on and he, his bones are holy because of the life he lived. Um, but um, I, I, I used that image um, to uh, make a, a point. First of all, um, a, 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 meth, a technical point, which is that there, there are only two uses of the term our own in the whole Torah and almost every one of those uses are about 40 instances of it being used to describe the ark with the tablets. But the first time the word is used and the only other time it is used in the Torah is in the last line of Genesis when we read that um, that they that they um, uh, what's the word? Um, they what do, you, what do you do when you preserve a body? Embalmed. Embalmed, good, thank you. They embalmed Joseph's body and placed him in an Aron, a, a casket or a sarcophagus in Egypt. So you can just see how there's one mention of an Aron that is not the holy Aron. And so that's the link that has these two arcs traveling together. But it also, and this is the point that I I sort of made in the, in the Devar Torah, but also want to kind of, jump off from with you all today that what that does is that it in that link imbues the ark with just a touch of death you know that there are two arcs and one contains life in fact the, in the other version if you go and read that the other version doesn't say the shechina and a dead person it says the ark of a dead person and the ark of the one who lives forever so it's really like the ark of life and the ark of death okay and there's something about the Ark that, and I explored this a little bit, there's something about the Ark that, of course, we think of it as life-giving because that's the, it contains the tree of life, the, the Torah itself, or at least some record of our first encounter with Torah. But what does it mean to say that the Ark contains death? Am I just being poetic? Well, no, I'm not. Um, because um, the Ark, it turns out, is a, is, is a very deadly object. And... That's essentially the question that I want to explore with you all today, um, which is why? Why is the Ark deadly? We, we almost take it for granted. Oh, you can't go anywhere near the Ark. But, but once we start to really look at the stories of what happens, they're shocking and perplexing. And I, I have to say, I didn't find any really great answers. So I'm excited to explore the question with the group today. So let's, um, let's say a blessing, and then we'll take a look at how the ark moves about in ancient Israel and the damage that it causes as it does. And, um, and together I wanna to think about why that is. What, why, is the, why does the ark function kind of like a third rail, you know, where you just, you better not touch it. Okay, let's say a blessing. Baruch Torah. Okay. I'm going to place that link in the source sheet again, and then we're going to head in. So like I said, there's um, there are two versions of this story, but the story itself, where are we here? Uh, oh, okay. This is one version of the story right here. 
the Aron of Yosef would travel alongside the Aron of the one who lives forever. Okay, same conversation. The dead body lying in this Aron fulfilled what is lying on this Aron. And here's the one in, uh, here's the one in, ooh, I seem to have lost it. Hold on. In the third row. Okay, sorry about this. Okay, so this is the one we just saw. Um, very beautiful. Joseph fulfilled all that was written in in that, and um, and I suggested that this contact, just by association, lends the ark a feeling of life or death, life or death. Now, uh, that's a, as I said, that's sort of a poetic thing to say. But look at what happens to the ark as it starts traveling around. Now, it's captured at one point by the Philistines, and. Uh, causes tremendous destruction. Let me just let me just say that it's captured by the Philistines. It's taken into Philistine territory and causes tremendous destruction. They place it at one point next to um, one of their idols, Dagon, and the idol is sort of like fallen over and dead the next day. But also, everybody um, either dies or <laughs> this is the translation for it, or gets hemorrhoids. Right, so it's like really <laughs> like of all the things. Um, but uh, but there it causes sickness and and death wherever it goes, because it's been captured by the by the enemy presumably, right? That that's the easy answer. The ark doesn't belong with the Philistines; it belongs with us. But it's not so simple. It's not so simple because take a look at what happens when they try to. The Philistines are done with the ark because it's causing so much death and destruction, and. So they bring it back. They bring the ark back. But look at what happens when they try to bring it back. And here we'll we're gonna just look at a few examples of the ark sort of wrecking havoc and try to understand what exactly uh is going on here. So here's here's one example. The, they bring it back from the Philistines, and the cows went straight ahead along the road to Beit Shemesh. That's still a place that we can visit in Israel today, Beit Shemesh. They went along a single high road lowing as they went, lowing like a like a like a cow lows, and meaning making noise, and turning off neither to the right or to the left. And the lords of the Philistines walked behind them as far as the border of Beit Shemesh. You can see the Philistines are freaked out and they're just like, they just want to take it to the border and get rid of it. Okay. Now the people of Beit Shemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley. Okay, just farmers in the field. And they looked up and saw the ark and they rejoiced when they saw it. Now that's that's good. wrote. They were happy to see it. So this seems like it's going to be a good encounter. The cart came into the field of Joshua of, of Beit Shemesh, and it stopped there. They split up the wood of the cart and presented the cows as burnt offering to the eternal. <laughs> it's like those poor cows didn't know what they were dragging the ark towards. Um, a large stone was there, and the Levites took down the ark of the eternal and the chest beside it containing the gold objects and placed them on a large stone. And then the men of Beit Shemesh presented bird offerings and other sacrifices to the Eternal that day. Okay, they rejoiced when they saw the Ark. They sacrificed offerings in celebration of God and God's Ark having arrived. Seems like this is great news. The Ark is back. And yet the Eternal struck the men of Beit Shemesh because they looked into the Ark of the Eternal. And they struck down 70 men among the people of, uh, uh, struck, struck, struck down uh, 70 men among the people and 
Uh, sorry, that that that's not the correct. Seventy among and fifty thousand men. So who? Fifty thousand and seven and seventy, and the people mourned for God had inflicted a great slaughter upon the population. And the men of Beit Shemesh asked, "Who can stand in attendance on the Eternal, this holy God, and who will go up from us?" Okay, so you see my question here, and I I went sifting through the commentaries. I didn't find great answers. Didn't find great answer. I, I probably just missed the great answer, but a lot of the commentaries just sort of repeated, yes, it is dangerous because it's dangerous to touch the ark. That's it's very dangerous to look at the ark. It's very dangerous to go anywhere near the ark. I said touch because I'm already thinking about the next source. Let me give you one more before we start to process all together. This is the famous one. Um, this is the famous instance of someone being sort of zapped by the ark. And I think most of us feel. Uh, un, that it seems unfair. And that is when the Ark is finally, it, it's sort of stored away in a remote village because it's causing too much destruction. And it stays there for many years until David becomes the king. And David uh, decides that it's time to bring the Ark back to Jerusalem, right? It's time to, to or to bring the Ark to Jerusalem, to his, to his kingship. And I say back, but it really, it had been in other places. But now it was time to bring the ark to Jerusalem and have it really be the center of the people. And they get the ark and they bring it back. Um, but the ark starts to fall at one point from the, remember, these are oxes kind of lugging it around. And thank goodness someone's there to save it. Okay, hey, but it doesn't go well. So let me, this is just another example. We'll look, at, we'll look at a few more before we're done. But let's look at another example of the ark's power here. They loaded the ark of God onto a new cart and conveyed it from the house of um, Avinadav, which was on a hill. And Avinadav's sons, Uzzah uh, and uh, Achio, guided the new ark, okay? So these were, this, is, this guy was caretaking the ark, and then his two sons, who had some familiarity with it, they sort of, they guided the cart as it headed out to take the ark back to, or to Jerusalem. They conveyed it from Avinadav's house on the hill, Uzzah walking alongside the ark and Achio walking in front of the ark. And meanwhile, here's more of this joy. David and all of the house of Israel danced before the eternal with the sound of all kinds of cypress wood instruments with lyres and harps and timbrels, sistrums and cymbals. But when they came to the threshing floor of Nahon, Uzzah reached out for the ark of God and grasped it, for the oxen had stumbled. Okay, now... That seems like the holiest act of service you could possibly offer. The Ark of God is about to fall on the ground and you save it from falling? You're like, that's it. You're the hero of the Jewish people, right? Wrong. Instead, you know what's coming. God gets angry again. God, the Eternal was incensed at Uzzah. And God struck him down on the spot for his indiscretion and he died there beside the Ark of God. Now... Okay, now we, we, we've arrived at, you know, our question, which, you know, I really only have one question. It's not even a very good question, but I have a feeling that this group can, can, can make, a, make a lot of, um, of, of this question, which is, um, what's going on? Why is the Ark so dangerous that even if you love the Ark, even if you try to save the Ark, even if you make offerings to the ark, even if you dance and celebrate and rejoice around the ark, some kind, some 
the proximity, a proximity of like that can mean seeing or touching or just getting too close to the ark will destroy you. Now, why is that? Why is that? I mean, we take, uh, again, we, I sort of take it for granted. Oh, and, and I, I hear us talk this way. Oh, you know, you, you can't see God because it's just overwhelming. But that sort of that thought sort of trails up. Why? Why would it be? Did, did why would it be that that the holy things and we'll start to talk about God and the sanctuary and all the other things which we have to be very very careful. We have a lot of of like guardrails in this religion, right? There were guardrails around Mount Sinai and there are guardrails around the Mishkan. There's lots of guardrails because if you get too close to the sacred things, it's danger. So why do you think that is? Okay, so let's. This is like a very blunt question. But um, but I have, like I said, I have a feeling this group will will know what to do with it. So let's let's turn. And I want to say I'm seeing some um, familiar hands, and I'm happy always to be in dialogue with uh, with my my regular chevrutot uh, here. But also I hear sometimes from people coming to class, like, oh wow, I, I love coming to class. There's so so many smart people there. I, I'm too intimidated to say anything, and it's like. Uh, you know, no, we're not that smart. <laughs> None of us are that. We're all just exploring here together. None of us are, are you know, we're just exploring and we need everybody's voice. So I really want to invite you, if you've never spoken before, to raise your hand and join in the conversation. And we're we're all, no, no none of us, uh, me least of all, has the answers here. So I'm happy to take, you know, return callers, but I'm also excited to see folks that uh, haven't, haven't spoken before. And I see Jeff Kahan, for example, who I, I, haven't, uh, I haven't spoken to before. Well, you have spoken to me. Before. I've spoken to you in person, but not here. Yeah, thank you so much. So, a couple of things uh, strike me about the story. One is that obviously it, it's it's serial comedic, right? I mean, it's it's like a bad joke. But I wonder if it isn't something like Job that there's an unfathomable logic or behavior or manner to the almighty that humans can never really just get their heads around. And the other thing that struck me was the idea of the two costs of the two coffins that man needs God and God needs man so that when they're separated, either one or both are misaligned. They're incomplete. So maybe Maybe that's part of it, because when, when you say that the when you said that the uh, Philistines took the ark, first of all, it's kind of comedic. How are they going to know which ark? Because if you open it up, you die, right? So it's kind of like Schrodinger's box. But the other thing is, like, you didn't say what happened to the other ark. Maybe you need both of them together. Right. Right. Okay. Good. So these are two. These are both really excellent. Um, places to 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 begin though there i think there are two very different places um that that J jeff uh um, offers us one is just to say yeah we don't know why the ark annihilates people that's sort of part of the point is that it's the mysterium tremendum that is god it's yeah you don't that's the point it is overwhelming and um it's beyond what you can handle and there's something, it's not about explaining why that is. It's just, there is a realm that is beyond our capacity to process or it, that's the nature of God. Yes, like 
the the question is the answer. There's something about that's what we are to understand. There's something about God and God's things. I mean, this is part of what I'm struggling with. It's not even God. It's not even the tablets. It's a box containing the tablets. But yes, even that will be um, will. There's there's just something about the the great beyond of 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 knowledge of God that like. Yeah, it's dangerous. Who knows what's out there? Who knows what happens to you? Okay, so that's one direction to go down is just the, 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 the greatness of God and all of the question, like the the mystery and the terror that that implies. The other place that that Jeff sort of pointed us towards is something having to do n- not just with the nature of God, but with um, the very particular fit of the ark to the people in the right place, at the right time, with the right person. We're going to see that theme come up a lot as well, that the ark has to be handled just right and has to be touched by just the right person and has to be um, has to be um, in exactly the right place. And even if it's celebrated and loved and, you know, it's even saved, if it's not the right person, that's still a problem, okay? And... Here, um, uh, well, you know what? I'm, I'll stop there. Let's let's continue here from folks. Um, Bob Hammer. Well, this is not a philosophical answer, but a sort of a, a midrashic or metallurgical answer. There was gold on the inside and on the outside of the ark, and this was a capacitor that transmitted uh, divine energy, and that's why it couldn't be touched. So uh, I love that. I love that. That's somebody, great. Somebody in the chat said it should have been going 88 miles an hour for the next effect, but uh, I can't uh, re- reply to that. Good. I like that. that. That's like, you know, it's it's um, Jeff's answer is very compelling. There's just some great mystery to God. But it's, but, you know, like it, it, we're going to try and figure it out. And and Bob's trying to figure it out. And maybe it's actually some kind of spiritual metaphysics here there's like a the ark is a is a conductor for for some kind of divine energy and i mean bob was almost imagining it like it's like real electricity and so there's like you know there's actual conductors there but yeah on some level something's flowing through the it is like a third rail and it's really just a question of like um not just coming into contact with god then but coming into contact with a kind of direct channel of like intense God energy, that'll zap you, that'll zap you. Okay, I saw Matt Silberstein shaking his head. No, he's, he didn't think that it was like a, a, a God electrocution. What do you think it is, Matt? I've actually given a lot of thought to this. This is actually one of the things that- You know, I'm not surprised. <laughs> Somehow I'm not surprised. Um, We today see Things like morality as, I, I, I kind of want to say, you know, they're up here. They're not direct physical things. They see this stuff as physical, as tangible, as real, that, that there is substance involved. It isn't just, well, God didn't like, though there's some of that, but it's this is the way, and I'm not saying, oh, well, it just happens to be dangerous. That's not my point. My point is that the what for us is metaphysical, for them is physical. Mm. It is real. It is a thing. This is 
I'd heard the um the expert. This is plutonium. Mm -hmm. It can do marvelous stuff. Put it in the right place, and it's going to do. But treat it like plutonium. Treat yeah. it like we treat oxygen. It's all marvelous, wonderful stuff, but pure oxygen will kill you. Um, so I think that's a big part of it. I don't think God sort of has a choice here. That is not God saying, I didn't like that. It's this is bad and hurts. This is okay. bad and kills. Okay, this and... is a really this is a really in interesting answer that that Matt is giving us because uh you know, and it sounds, uh, I'm not surprised Matt's thought of this before. And it's, you know, it sounds like the kind of thinking that um, that Matt does and the kind of answer that Matt often gives about the ancient world, which is that they he reminds us, and rightly, that they saw the world differently and that their, their reality was different. Like, and that things that sometimes we try to spiritualize away, they took very, very seriously as real things. And Matt keeps using the word, it's physical. It Now, that in itself is a is a is 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 a is a worthy point but i also want to matt was also putting it into contrast and conversation with an alternate position so uh, like and i think that's powerful what matt was doing there which is to say matt sees the ark as having a potency of its own or at least they thought so as opposed to the another theory which is that the ark has no particular juice in and of itself it is all about what God decides and says. And that's an important distinction, not just for analyzing this question of the ark's power, but also one that we can br bring to all, all, all kinds of, of, of questions of ancient Jewish ritual, like um, keeping kosher. Is, uh, is, is the, or do we keep kosher because there are impure animals out there and there are pure animals and we wanna keep our bodies safe from the impurities or is it just because God said so? And like, it's about following the arbitrary whims or secret designs or just like following the rules that God put into place. That's a very different conception of what's what of why you can be um, harmed by, by transgressing because simply you have transgressed God's will as opposed to what Matt is arguing for, which is, no, it's plutonium. It's like God, and Matt said something very radical at the end, which is that God can't even help it. God would prefer you didn't die by touching the ark, but what are you gonna do? It's that powerful. That's a very different conception, not just of the ark, but of of the, of the all of the, the features, rituals, uh, prescriptions, prohibitions that the Torah offers. Okay, so this is, yeah, great. Um, let's keep going, Robin Berkowitz. So my question really is, okay, so what if we all agree the ark is powerful, it's mysterious, God wants it this way, and God only wants certain people to touch and handle in a certain way. So what would have happened if Aminadab's son hadn't tried to keep the, you know, keep the ark on the cart, then what? What would have happened? That's what I'm, I'm thinking about. I'm so glad you asked that question. I'm so glad you asked that question because uh, not because I I know, but because as I said, I did. It's a great question. That, like, what the ark just fall to the ground? That's what God preferred. Is the ark to just fall to the ground, like disgracefully, maybe break the tablets inside? But um, I went around looking for answers, as I said, and and you know didn't 
didn't there probably are great answers that I just didn't discover but I of course I always turned to Rashi and Rashi gives what was it Jeff said serial comic there's something funny about this even though it's deadly serious um take a look at Rashi's answer here and I want to actually I want to show you how 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 I get to it just so that you can do the same if you are ever interested so what what you can do here with Safaria, we do this a lot, but let me just let me just speak it out. Is here I am on the source that we were just looking at, where Uzzah um, is the one conveying the ark, and then he grabbed it, and then um, God struck him down. So I want to know what people say about it. So all I have to do is this head heading, and then I click into it, and it'll take me to a a separate page. And then when I click on the um, the verse that I want. And what I want is the 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 God getting. Why did God get angry at Uzzah? So I click into this, and I'll go to the commentaries over here. And the first one I'll look at is Rashi. So anyway, that was all just uh, just a, to a little bit of uh, Safaria tutorial. But here's Rashi's answer: Why is God angry? Here it is in Hebrew. Um, uh, this is a strange word. His indiscretion. Uh, the and so his his shal. So Rashi's not sure exactly what that means. So he gives um, a definition al hashgaga for his for his mistake. And let's see what it says in English. Because of his mistake, he should have expounded a fortiori, meaning he should have known that even more so the ark causes danger because the ark carried its own porters in the yarden. When Bnei Israel crossed the Yardan, the Jordan, into the land of Israel, um, so isn't it all the more so that it should be able to carry itself here? Hmm. Now, do you, do you get what the, do you get to that? What that is saying? In other words, the ark car can carry itself. The ark carried itself across the Jordan River. Like there's like a legend that the the people didn't. How did the ark cross the Jordan? Were they lifting it above their heads? No, the ark carried itself. This is a very Rashi answer to take like a rabbinic legend and sort of use it as the explanation here. But the answer to Robin's question, and I doubt Robin is satisfied, is that Uzzah should have known that the ark can handle itself. The ark doesn't need ark don't need you ark just fine on its own <laughs> you know so that's like that's a wild way to say oh well of course Uzzah had to die because he should have known better than to presume that the ark needed a helping hand okay so, you kind of get the like divine logic like oh the ark can do anything but it doesn't actually make sense okay so all right uh i'm seeing allison has a has a thought i do have a thought and it's kind of uh you're gonna laugh at me and uh, for everyone else who doesn't know me, this is kind of a radical thought, but I just, I think it kind of fits with what we were talking about. So I learned a couple years ago from one of my teachers, David Sachs, who uh, is with Happy Minion, this idea that the Mishkan is like um, a mirror for our bodies. So like that we build the Mishkan in reciprocity with God for our bodies. And that the Mishkan becomes like a body for God, like a place where God can come and dwell. And that in reciprocity, God builds our bodies and the you know, Holy Divine Spirit also dwells within us. So when we talk about the, the part of God that like the essence of God that comes down and dwells, we talk about the Shekhinah. The Shekhinah, like the feminine, feminine aspects of God. And when we talk about the Holy of Holies, 
imagining that the Mishkan was like a body for God, that the Holy of Holies um, would be like her pussy. <laughs> um, I think maybe there's something about this that is about sex because the Aron is like the center of life and death. And it's through sex that that nexus between life and death occurs within a woman's body. Like it's within like that place of mystery that sometimes a life is born and sometimes death occurs. Um, and, and it's mysterious. And we know from our Torah that that question of life and death, that that is, is uh, the purview of God. And I think it's, it's, an, it's a compelling, although strange, but compelling idea for a couple of reasons. The first is that, you know, you, Rabbi, you were talking about how the Mishkan has to be touched like by the right people in the right way at the right time. And I, I think so much like um, like our most like intimate, our most private parts like have to be touched like in the right way by the right people at the right time. Um, and, and if they're touched not at the right time, not by the right person, that can kill you because like we know how destructive also sex can be. Um, and and dangerous and I think the reason why I was kind of like raising my hand just now is because we were talking like well what would have happened if like no one had stepped in to grab the Mishkan like when it seemed that the Mishkan was going to fall and you brought up Rashi's answer well like why would you assume that the Mishkan can't take care of herself and I just thought, wow, that's so interesting. Like as a woman in my life, like how many times has like some man tried to just like intervene and be like, oh no, I'm going to do that. And I'm like, stop it. Like, why would you assume that I'm not like good on my own? Um, so anyway, Dibarti, you're muted, Rabbi. That is just fascinating. I don't know, you know, I must say, I don't know what exactly what to do with that, except that I, you know, it's, it, it's, I'm going to, I'm going to leave that Torah there, but, you know, uh, because I'm not, I'm not sure uh, where exactly to go with it, but I will say that it's, it is compelling. It is compelling in the sense that, you know, sexual knowledge is the, is like one of the first things that human beings get they get it through transgression. They get it through touching something that they're not supposed to touch. So, does the the those that sort of Edenic um, violation sort of set the stage for other kinds of knowledge? The word for sexual intimacy is knowledge, and the word for um, um, divine intimacy is knowledge. So, like maybe there's something there, but mostly you made the case. I certainly won't build on it any more eloquently than you did. I will just say that whether or not the symbolism um, can be mapped on directly, the implications are certainly there, all of the implications which that, that you were suggesting, which is that, you know, this is maybe, maybe we learn from the Ark and from prohibitions in general, but certainly from having a prohibition that is this, um, visceral 
physical and dangerous. Like, do not touch this. Maybe we learn not to touch things, you know? Like maybe we learn about boundaries and that, you know, even when we want intimacy and we want knowledge of something that like there are there are clear boundary lines. So I don't want to I don't want to riff on this because you 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 laid it out so um beautifully, but I do I think that there's a there's a lot there to 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 continue to explore. So I'll I'll, I'll leave that there for now. Um okay. Uh let's see. Circling back around here. Um um Noah Pollock. Good. I've been thinking this whole time that we've been concerned with the art that brings life and the art that brings death. But then I thought, death in what regard? Is it their physical death, their spiritual death, or a death that's completely separating them from a, the community to a different plane or a different area that right now we can't get in contact with them to see what that death was like, but are they actually dead to us in the real sense? Because we still have the memories and teachings of them then, but we can't talk to them anymore. So make of that what you will. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. I'll make I'll make of it whatever. Now, so yeah, I I um I think I was thinking along those lines also, Noah, when I was writing about this is you know, this class has been an opportunity to explore the question of just the the explosive, deadly element in the in the arc. But initially, I was thinking more along um, along the 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 lines you just articulated, Noah, which is that there's something about the arc that is associated with death because death and life are sort of the primal kind of forces. That, that that govern our existence and you know it, this is just the human cycle and um all things die and live and and that there's there's something sacred about death as well right uh, that dead bodies are sacred to us even though they're lifeless and broken tablets there's a legend that says that broken tablets as well as the whole tablets because Moshe broke the first two, we're in the ark. Like the the things which are broken and the and the vestiges of what once was, these things are holy as well. So I think there's I think there's there's good kind of poetic work to be done there to think about um, the the kind of the meaning. We're we're asking it almost like a technical question, like why does the ark kill? But what is the meaning of a, an ark that is associated with? death that might be, have traveled alongside a casket that that too is is uh is 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 worth worth uh, contemplating um let's hear from diana hi i didn't expect to come up so quickly <laughs> well i'm trying to just work more voices in so if you haven't like just so you know if you haven't spoken in this class before, just raise your hand and you'll go you right to the front of the line. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate um, a moment of time. So I, I really have two thoughts. Um, one thought is um, about uh, the time frame that we're talking about too. So potentially um, the shift to understand that, uh, that God is 
the the powerful entity and energy that he is it's important maybe for the at the time frame that we're talking about so that the israelite people understood that this is where the source and the power is and it comes through and is handled appropriately hierarchically um, by a family, by by the Kohanim, by the by the Levites, and this was the appropriate channel that was um, authorized at the time to handle the Ark and 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 within the Mishkan and all of that those proper procedures, and that that needed to be respected above all things. So I think that there is an element of that that is why uh, that this was it was a deadly circumstance to to deviate from that, and that needed to be in at all times. And so I think that that might be why that this was a deadly situation if there was a deviation from that law or those circumstances. And then the other thing um, that occurs to me is that also uh, maybe during this time in human history, this kind of force was was necessary to be understood, appreciated, and to be needed to be respected at this time in human history we may not have the need of a of a god necessarily for that those purposes now that might be so scary and dangerous because times have changed potentially but at that time that kind of force may have been useful to maybe get the point across or to establish a faith or a re religious belief system in a different way. So times are different. Times have changed. And so maybe there's something. We're not getting zapped that. by arcs anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And maybe that's why the arc is gone. There's, there's probably reasons why a, a conduit or channel like that is no longer with us. And that may be by design as well. Well, thank you so much for those comments, Diane. I, I appreciate them. And they fit so nicely uh, with Yonatan's points from earlier, I, I think. Because Yonatan was making a very strong case that really the Ark is, was never meant to be the essential thing and was just a, a concession. And Diana, in, in some ways, it takes, uh, takes that, that theory, but, but also um, considers the, the value of that concession. And maybe that there, maybe, um, maybe considers maybe a period in which the people need a physical object in order to be able to negotiate the relationship with God, which it's so mysterious, which perhaps contains all kinds of dangers, serious dangers. But how do you learn those dangers when interacting with a force that you cannot understand or see or really ever come into contact with? Well, maybe you learn about the 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 life and death, you know, highs and lows, um, safety and danger relationship with God by using this object, this box, this arc as a kind of a proxy for a relationship that um, is 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 fraught with all kinds of danger itself, but is also so difficult to even begin to understand. Um, you know, maybe the arc is teaching us some of those lessons um, and bringing us to a place where Diana, Diana suggests maybe maybe this was the plan all all along is to get to get past the ark and to have enough of an understanding of the the wonder but also the the danger of a relationship with god that now we can just do that on our own without this this intermediary so okay great work today everybody really appreciate this uh this a, a lot all these these different perspectives uh, on this on this question that is 
bothered me for a long time. So I'm, I'm grateful for your Torah today. I will see you next week. Bye, all.